You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. Tampa Bay Buccaneers held off the Philadelphia Eagles 28-22 on Thursday Night Football. And that means it's time for the Pick'em Show. All right. Week 6 in the NFL is underway. We saw the Bucks beat the Eagles. Not barely, but kind of barely. That game was 28-7. At one point, and I think Tampa just put it in cruise control. Then the Eagles scored a couple of touchdowns in, you know, what wasn't quite garbage time, got back in it. But then on the final drive, the Bucks had the ball, and they never gave it back to the Eagles and just ended up taking a knee there to end the game when I needed, a e- I needed an Eagles stop so that the Bucks would kick the field goal. Then I would have hit the over, Bucks win, and Eagles cover. Actually, I think, what is it, six? Yeah, if they kicked the field goal, I would have hit the over, but lost the cover. So, is what it is. I got two out of three. I pegged that as the final score of 30-24, to 24, and it was 28-22. So, I wasn't too far off. I figured it would be close on Thursday night. I figured the Bucks would mostly just try and run the ball, which is where the Eagles are, I think, third worst in the league, giving up about four and a half a carry giving up like 140-something yards on the game, but their pass defense has also been really good, so, you know, there's something to say for that. Antonio Brown and Leonard Fournette both had big games. Uh, We saw Miles Sanders do a little bit more than he has been lately, but the Eagles' offense is really bad. That's all it is. (laughs) Their O-line's not good, so they struggle to run the ball. They struggle to throw the ball. Even when they play well and almost come back and get in the game, it's mostly Jalen Hurts breaking the pocket and making something happen. I think two of their three touchdowns were his, uh, ran them in. So you always have to account for him, but against a good team like the Bucks, there's just way too much offense to go around, and the Eagles are not going to be able to deal with that long term. So anyway, we'll move on to the first game of the Sunday games on week six. And we're going back to London for the Dolphins at the Jags. The Jags. London's like their second home. They've played the London game more than any other team. And a lot of that has to do with them sucking for the most part for a long time. And playing in Florida is just an easier trip for them. And... To take like a like a good team that's in contention and to give them that odd week where they have to go to London and play this game, you know, it messes with a good team. So the Jags are typically in this game for that reason. And, you know, they got a new coach and a new quarterback, so those guys haven't been through it before. But there are guys on the team that have been through this. The organization, I'm sure, understands like, travel so i'm sure they're like travel secretary and all their 
equipment guys and all the kind of moving parts within the Jags organization understand how to make this go smoothly for the players. And there are seven games so far in London are the most among any team in the league since they've started the international series. What started the games in London again? Um, that's a good question. There was NFL Europe many years ago. Mm. So the NFL tried to, you know, extend its reach and create like an American football league in Europe. And it lasted a couple seasons. I'll look it up while I'm putzing around. Um, some good players came out of that league. But the market just wasn't there for American football. Oh, it looks like they did it twice. They did it from 91 to 92 and then 95 to 2007. That doesn't sound right at all, but... <laughs> And then they had a New York slash New Jersey Knights in one of these leagues in 1991, and that's not very much Europe. I remember it during the like late 90s, early 2000s era. Yes, okay, here we go. Starting in 98, the league was known as NFL Europe. And... Sorry for that awkward silence, but I'm pretty sure Fred Jackson, who ended up playing for the Bills and having a really good career, came out of one of the European teams. Oh, they did have North American teams, but that's, that was in the early 90s. Experimental rules. All right, I don't want to get too far into that, but the NFL has basically wanted to expand into a more international mm. sport for a long time. And while they are the highest grossing sport and they definitely have a footprint elsewhere, they, I think, they look, I think what it is is they look at the European like soccer audience and they're like, we could have that, right? Because those fans are rabid and those stadiums are huge. Like Wembley holds like 80 something thousand. Uh, even the small stadium, I think they're playing in Tottenham uh, this Sunday and that stadium holds 60 something thousand. So it's like, that's a huge gate revenue-wise. And even if you only did eight of those games a year, it's just you couldn't have it. You couldn't have like a London team exist in the current NFL because the travel for that team to play all the other teams in the States would suck. And the travel yeah. for all those teams to go play the London team would suck. Right, right. Okay. So, so they just played two games there? Uh, Total in yeah, the season? And I, I think there's the Mexico City games also that mm. the Raiders or the Chargers typically play in. Um, and that's a tough game because it's at altitude. So similar to Denver, if you're not prepared and you go in there, like, fucking exhausted real quick. Yeah. Um, so looking at that game, like, you have to think that the Dolphins are probably the better team, but I don't know. It's hard to say that at this point. I mean, I know the Jags are 0-5. Dolphins are 1-4. The Dolphins have had some close games. Like, they gave the Raiders a push. Like, they made it semi-competitive against the Colts, but the Colts aren't that great. They scored early on Tampa and kind of made them have to work for it a little more than you would think. But they got shut out by the Bills, and they edged out a game over New England by a point. So it's like the Dolphins aren't the worst team in the league. That's probably the Lions. Jags are right there with them, though, at 0-5. So you get the Jags, 
heading into this game, looking for their first win. They've been playing better, though, week in, week out. They've been getting closer and closer to getting a win. I think two is coming back for the Dolphins, but Xavier Howard and Devontae Parker didn't make the trip. They are minus 165 favorites, and they're three-point favorites. I like the Jags in this one. I don't know that I can stay committed in my pick'em league to picking them, but this is a good opportunity for the Jags to get their first win. And they usually play fairly well in this London game. And they have to win at some point, right? <laughs> I think so. Based on what I've seen from them, I'm looking at a team that I don't think is going to go winless, right? They play the Texans, I think, still twice. Um... So they can get a win there. And then it's just like depends on their schedule because their their division is not that strong. But you got to figure they're probably going to lose both times to Tennessee. They'll probably lose both times to the Colts. But they could beat Houston twice. It depends. If Tyrod Taylor comes back and he's in that game, then it's going to be a lot more difficult for them. Um, moving on, we get Bengals on the road at the Lions. I'm surprised to see the Bengals are only three and a half point favorites in this game. That could be because uh, Joe Mixon's banged up a little bit, and I don't know. Maybe they're just worried that the Bengals are going to go on the road and struggle. The Lions are 0-5. I think, honestly, they're worse than the Jags because their injury report is much worse. Tyrell Williams, who I drafted in our fantasy league, took that concussion in week one, and he's not coming back anytime soon, so he's massively fucked up. I don't even know that he's practicing, but I know two days ago they are like, yeah, it's probably not going to be anytime soon. <laughs> and then they lost uh, their other number one. Well, the guy who replaced him is out. Um, who else? Sorry, I have it up here. DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, both questionable. Hawkinson's questionable. And... Uh... Can't think of his name right now. But yeah, the other two receivers that would have taken over the top spots for the Lions are both out for this game. So they're gonna struggle. Um and the Bengals, like, yeah, sure, they lost to the Packers, whatever, but they played a good game against the Packers at home and almost beat them. And even though they lost, I think that's the kind of game where they look at it and that's a confidence builder for a young team to know that they can go out there and almost beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Like they know that they just did a couple of things differently. They win that game. And for a team that last year only had like four or five wins, that's huge. It's huge for Joe Burrow and their confidence as an organization that they're headed in the right direction. So I think they go into Detroit and they likely cover there. I just don't see Detroit having enough offense at all and their defense isn't that great either so tough for Detroit but they probably go to 0-6 in that game and then speaking of the Packers we get the the oldest rivalry in football the Packers mm -hmm. at the Bears the Bears and somehow the Bears are 3-2 and two. I don't think they're that good but they have a winning record they've beaten the bad teams that they're supposed to they beat the Bengals and that was in Chicago, and their defense showed up. Like, the Bears still have a defense. They do have some key injuries on that defense, though. And 
Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack along the defensive line are both questionable, and so is Eddie Jackson. So I would say three out of their four best players on defense are questionable heading into this game. And then uh, David Montgomery, their running back, was already on injured reserve, and now Damian Williams, his backup, is out too. Uh, And Allen Robinson's questionable. So everything that the Bears would theoretically bring to the table to make you have the game plan for is kind of gone. And now it's really just about containing Justin Fields. And I don't know. I haven't been super impressed by Justin Fields yet, but win's a win. And they're 3-2, and two, and the Packers are 4-1. and one, So if somehow the Bears' defense is able to give Aaron Rodgers enough problems that it's a low-scoring game and the Bears somehow win, they're 4-2, and two, the Packers are 4-2, and two, and the Bears are on top of the division. So it's a huge game in the NFC North. It's a daytime or night? It's a daytime game. Sunday morning. You can watch that one since the Bills don't play till Monday night. It should, it should be interesting because one way or the other, you're going to find out like how good the Packers are and how good the Bears are. The Packers like are a team that, realistically, they should beat the Bengals by more than a field goal. And I think that game was the only game on the spread that I pushed because it was a three-point spread and they won by a field goal. But even in that game, both teams are trading missed field goals for the whole like last quarter in overtime. Bengals could have easily won that. And then if you got a 3-2 and two Packers team going on the road to Chicago against that defense, you never know. So it's like I don't think necessarily the Packers are as good as their 4-1 and one record. They still have a lot of things to clean up. But when Aaron Rodgers is at the helm, they're still going to be the team to beat in that division. And they're going to be near the top of the NFC. So I don't know. Packers by 6 just seems like it seems like a lot in this kind of rivalry. And... If Chicago wasn't so beat up, I would say probably Chicago covers, but it's going to be really close, I think, to that six-point mark. Then we get a game between two teams that have a combined record of 2-8. and eight. We get the Texans and the Colts. So speaking of that AFC South having some winnable games in it, the Colts, uh, I think they're 1-3. I might be wrong about that, but I'll double-check. Um, the Colts need to win these kind of games and uh, they are indeed one and four and they played the Rams close so that was like a, a good sign for them and you know the game against the Ravens they were winning and they collapsed so they could be on a two game win streak right here had they beaten the Rams in that game they'd be three and two so they're not as bad as their one and four record suggests either Houston, I don't think this is necessarily as bad as their record either. They looked decent um, most of the last game against the Patriots, but blew it at the end, and the Patriots came back and won. They looked pretty good with Tyrod Taylor at the helm. But this is a game that the Colts need to win. If they if they want any chance of making the playoffs, they got to get to 2-4 and four here. Because the beginning of their schedule was horrible. They're not going to get games against teams like this very often. They should have beat the Ravens. They know that one got away. And they realistically could have come out of this game on Sunday with a win over the Texans. They could be three and three and they wouldn't be in this conversation of like, oh my god, they're like they're maybe gonna miss the playoffs. Like 
what's Carson Wentz's future? Like, are the Colts even good? All those questions. So the Colts showed that they're better than their record. And the Texans are about what their record is. The Colts are missing uh, Xavier Rhodes, though. And it looks like the Texans will be without Laramie Tunstall still, who I think he underwent thumb surgery on the, the O-line, so... Eh, oh no, the Colts are out Braden Smith. But they figured their run game out in the last two weeks, even without him. So I'm not, like, super worried about that injury in particular. I don't know. You have anybody going in that game? I got Jonathan Taylor, so I'd like to see him uh, do well. I don't think so, but my roster is a little bit of a mess right now. So Yeah, we're playing each other this week. <laughs> That's and both right. Of, both of our rosters are a mess because I had Russell Wilson. He busted his finger. So that week I made a move to pick up Daniel Jones. It's anyone's, anyone's week. And then he was concussed. So I had no quarterback. And then Dallas Goddard got covid so he was out, and then I picked up Njoku, and he went to questionable, and they're playing Arizona, so I was almost going to have no player in one of those positions, but I sacrificed some stuff, and we'll just see if we can get a win. Are you being quiet over there because we're playing each other this week in fantasy? You don't want me to let me know anything? Maybe. Maybe. I'm nervous. I mean, one of us has to lose, but on the bright side, we can't both lose this week. That doesn't help. No, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> we won't because we've both lost before in the same week and that's even worse True. so one of us will win and that'll be good if we end up with a tie that would be very shitty but at least neither of us would lose is that even can we tie i mean with the fractional scoring in our league it, it would be super super rare for that to happen yeah. i don't think it has happened and i've increased the fractional scoring to make it less likely okay it's just because like the difference between 28 and 27 yards like it's 0.01 right so it's gonna be nearly impossible to tie possible but nearly impossible anyway moving on <laughs> we get the chiefs on the road at washington they're licking their wounds they're trying to Figure out how it is that they're not the best team in the AFC right now. They've already lost three times to probably the three other best teams in the AFC. They lost to the Ravens, they lost to the Chargers, and they lost to the Bills. So I don't think there's any way you can argue that the Chiefs are even in the top three in the AFC right now. I think everybody knows that they are the Chiefs, right? They still have a lot to bring to the table, but they're not playing good football right now. They got to figure that out. Washington is also not necessarily playing great football right now. Their defense is a shell of what it was last year. They get no pressure with their four-man front, but they're not really changing anything. So they just sit back there and get beat in coverage and give up like 30 points a game. And they're hoping that Heineke can make some magic happen. And on occasion, he will. But let's not forget that this dude, I think he was like an XFL player or one of these one of these other leagues and he was a, a journeyman quarterback there and he was the backup in Washington and he's played some good games and he's shown that he has heart and like that goes a long way uh what I've seen from him throwing the football though leaves something to be desired and it's not that he's not going to try but they're super beat up I think they're missing let me see 
Brandon Sheriff at right guard, Sam Cosme at right tackle, Curtis Samuel is out, Cam Sims are out at receiver, McLaurin is now questionable as well, so is Antonio Gibson, uh, Logan Thomas went on IR, so their offense is absolutely decimated and their defense hasn't been playing well, and that's just what it is, and they were at home against a kind of middle-of-the-road Saints team last week, and they gave up that Hail Mary at the end of the half that just gutted them and they didn't recover from that. So you got a Chiefs offense that is much better than that Saints offense coming in. And they're beatable, but I haven't seen that Washington is uh, good enough to deal with it. They're just fortunate that Chris Jones and Charvarius Charvarius Ward are out for the Chiefs. So they might be able to score, but I don't know if it's a track meet it'll give Washington the opportunity to score some points. And that's why Brian snuck in there and took Heineke in that matchup. Mm, so you think he picked him up just for this week? You mean? He must have, or he's trying to force me to trade him. And he was looking at my quarterback situation and he's like, okay, well it's either Jameis Winston or Heineke. And he went with Heineke. So chiefs on the road there. Like this is a get right game for them. They need to show up and they need to beat the crap out of Washington to to give themselves some confidence back. And Washington doesn't really match up well with them anywhere defensively. So if the Saints can put 33 on them, I don't see any reason why the Chiefs can't do that. All right. And I don't even know whose defense is better. They both have bad defenses. So in a game where two defenses are not good, I'll take the team with the superior offense. And then we get... Maybe the game of the week. This is going to be a great game. We get the Chargers on the road at the Ravens. Both teams 4-1. and one. Only one team is going to walk out of there with the advantage in the AFC playoff picture. And I'm, I'm super excited for this game. It's a great one. We missed the majority of that Cleveland uh, Chargers game last week. That was an incredible game. This game's going to be great, though. You think? I think so, just because... Is this the night game? No, it's not. Mm. I think this is a day game, too. Because the night game is that Seahawks-Pittsburgh game, which um. they should flex that game out of that spot and put the, the Chargers-Ravens game in that spot. Um, but I don't know if the flex scheduling still holds up. I don't know what the deal is with the flex schedule anymore. So... Uh, we have a mostly healthy Chargers team, I think. But the Ravens, not so much. Sammy Watkins is out. Ronnie Staley's out along the line. And then I think the Chargers are only missing uh, Drew Tranquil. I mean, Mike Williams is dealing with the knee thing, so he may not be effective. But, you know, the Chargers have plenty of weaponry aside from him. So it's like you got Lamar Jackson, the X-Factor, against Justin Herbert, who's emerged as one of the very best quarterbacks in the league for sure. Uh, he just he throws a great ball. He's got good arm strength, good instincts. I mean, he's still throwing some interceptions in some spots where like, it's not ideal, but, I mean, they're 4-1. and one. Yeah, So they've been able to recover. Year. Yeah, they were getting their butts kicked by uh, Cleveland there, and somehow they were able to rally and they made every possession count and Herbert just looked amazing down the stretch in that game. 
And I thought their defense was better than it looked against uh, Cleveland, but I don't know. That was a big game between two teams that were 3-1 and one at the time, so Cleveland was trying to assert themselves, trying to mark their territory. But if I'm just looking at like how these teams' seasons have gone, I don't know. I think the Chargers... I'm surprised that they're underdogs here, but I get it. I just I like what I've seen from the Chargers a little bit more. Um, the Ravens' like whole wide receiver core is injured. Bateman is coming back from IR soon, but he's not there yet. Somehow Lamar Jackson still throwing for 300 yards every game. He threw for over 400 in the last one. But that's a game where they had to come back late. Uh, you look at the Detroit game, that's a game where they were mostly winning, and then somehow they let Detroit get the lead late, and Justin Tucker had to hit a miracle 66-yarder off the crossbar and in to win it. So if they don't win that game, they're 3-2, and two, you know, against the Chiefs. They were losing in that game, and Mahomes made a mistake that opened the door, and they came back and won that game. Uh, so that's kind of just, like, how it's been for the Ravens this season. Like, they've been in some wild-ass games, and I give them credit for having the kind of, like, fortitude to, to hang in those games. The only game that they really, like, convincingly went out there and beat a team that they're better than was the Broncos game. They went out and won 23-7. They made it look easy against a, an overmatched Broncos team. But then they were down 25-9 in the fourth quarter against the Colts, and they came back and won that game. So part of that is the Colts, like, all they really need is... A field goal there basically and they can end it i mean if they get a touchdown it's definitely over but you know the ravens just they they play well when their backs against the wall and i think there's gonna come a point in this game against the chargers where their backs are against the wall and then we'll see what's what i mean if the ravens can rally against that chargers team the way that they play defense the way that joey bosa can get after the quarterback uh it's gonna be really interesting to watch Two of the league's best young quarterbacks. Could be a future rivalry for a long time. Lamar Jackson has been beaten by the Chargers in the playoffs. So, I mean, different quarterback. Basically, entirely different team. But, you know, he wants to avenge that loss. And it's because there's so few games. It's kind of like combat sports in a way. Where it's like... Like, the Bills beating the Chiefs in the regular season isn't the same as getting beaten in the AFC title game, but that was a huge game for the Bills. And it's like them being able to beat the Chiefs let them know that, like, we're good enough to beat this team. Where the, the few games, before, the three games before that where they played each other, it was like, all right, we're not there yet. We're working towards that. So, I like the Chargers there, but we'll see. Then we get the... Rams at the Giants. You want to talk about teams that are decimated by injury. And the Giants are right up there at the top of the list. They got no Saquon. They got no Kenny Galladay. Slayton and Sterling Shepard have been out. Um, but now Slayton's questionable and Shepard's back. So they get a little bit back. Uh, Kadarius Tony, their other wide receiver, is also questionable. Uh, Daniel Jones, I don't know how he's playing this week after that shot he took to the head, but... He'll be out there, and I don't know. It's just not good. I think they have two linemen that are out, too, um, or two linemen that are questionable that are going to have to go up against that uh, Rams defensive front. And you talk about 
games where teams need to to beat the teams they're supposed to beat this is one of those for the rams because later in the day or i don't know if it's later in the day or the same time but the cardinals play cleveland and if cleveland can beat the cardinals the rams and the cardinals will be tied the cardinals will have the tie break but it will help the rams so it's like you need to control what you can control and the rams going into new york and beating a very 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 banged up giants team is something that they can control so i expect them to do that it's a big spread at nine and a half i don't know about that probably but you know it might be a trap it's a trap. Uh, we'll just go to the Cardinals-Browns game since we were talking about it, and then I'll backpedal to the other ones. Um, so these teams haven't played since 2019 when neither team was good. I don't think either team had a winning record that year. And the Cardinals won. But they still had Kyler Murray, still going up against Baker Mayfield. So still got to see that matchup, and we're going to get to see it again here. Both guys have gotten better i think kyler has come a lot further than baker though it's like baker had his good seasons i just i haven't really seen him progress much it's like he's not bad but it's just like he's kind of been like the same guy since he got into the league he's gotten like a little bit better he still makes that mistake late in games that kills him i haven't seen him improve too much they don't really surround him with receivers either and even when they did it was like okay beckham tears acl he's gone then landry's out so it's like they they really haven't built the kind of receiving core around him to to get him to maybe where people want him to be because their whole identity is defense and run the ball, which is fine. You know, it's kind of a little old school and it takes the pressure off of him and they got two good running backs, but Chubb's not playing. And Kareem Hunt is questionable as well. Is Chubb on IR? I don't think so. He's just out right now. Okay. Um. So those guys are both banged up. Plus, Jadavion Clowney and Miles Garrett are banged up. Uh, they're starting tackle. Jack Conklin's backed up. Denzel Ward injured. Greg Newsom also injured. And then their linebacker, Malcolm Smith, who, if I'm not mistaken, he was Super Bowl MVP with the Seahawks back in 2013. He's out. Um, and then Arizona is without their center, Rodney Hudson, which is a big piece. And they're without Chandler Jones uh, on the defensive line. And he's their go-to pressure guy. So we could see a higher scoring game than I initially anticipated here. I just think Kyler's the more dynamic guy. Their offense is more dynamic. And with Kareem Hunt also questionable, like, is he going to be able to carry the full workload? And can Baker make something happen with only one receiver? I think Landry's coming back, but he's not back yet. And he's not going to be back for this game, but he'll be back soon. And if they lose, that'll be 3-3. Three and three. And then that division's tough because if the Steelers win and they manage to find a way to get to 3-3, three and three, it's like, uh-oh. All of a sudden, you went from being maybe the second best or the best team in the North to... Now you're tied at the bottom again. So it's a huge game for Cleveland. The Cardinals, you know, they're undefeated for a reason, but they can also afford to lose this game. Even if they lose, they're still first in the NFC. They're still first in their uh, division as well. And it's like if you look at uh, NFL math, it would be like they beat the Rams who beat the Bucks, 
who all of them can be five and one. So I would have to favor the Cardinals being the best team of the bunch. Whereas they may not beat the Bucks, but they have the, the linear championship, we'll call it. The linear rankings. You have John Connor, James Connor, not John Connor. John Connor. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. My name is John Connor. <laughs> I wish his name was John Connor. I would definitely have him on my team. But James Connor, who I dropped. You let him go? Yeah, I let him go because he's not John Connor. <laughs> and he scored a touchdown every week since I dropped him. And he's on your team now. And he's playing well. And if he scores a touchdown this week, and that's the difference, I'm going to be very sad. If I win because of James Conner. Yeah. I'll call him John for the rest of his life. <laughs> so I haven't really gotten into the the nitty-gritty of this game yet. But, I, you know, I favor the Cardinals here. They are on the road, though. The Browns are favored by three and a half. Surprising. Very surprising. I guess they just assume that Arizona's due to lose sooner or later. All right. Well, we get Vikings on the road at the Panthers. The Panthers have lost two in a row. Sam Darnold's back to playing like he did on the Jets. He's thrown five picks in the last two games. They lost them both. He had eight touchdowns in the first three games with no picks. Uh, Kirk Cousins also in the last two games playing like crap. He's got two touchdowns and two picks. Sorry, that was Cousins that had the eight touchdowns over the first three. Uh, I think Darnold was... I think he had... I don't know. He only threw like three touchdowns in those first three games, but they won. But he had no interceptions. And now he's piling up the interceptions. So they're three and two. The way they lost to Philly after being up and getting beat 15 to three in the second half and losing that game was embarrassing especially when we look at the way that philly plays against some of these other teams all they need to do is score one time of any variety other than that field goal and they win the game <laughs> you having fun babe mm-hmm. it sounds like it always thanks for participating of course who do we got here, though? You don't, Oh, you do have Cousins, though, playing in that game. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that matchup? The Carolina defense is, I mean, theoretically pretty good. They've been one of the better units so far. Well, I don't really know because I have Cousins and Carr, and all of the quote-unquote fantasy pros say to sit both quarterbacks this week. Yeah, well, you can't sit them both. It's a tough, tough game for the Raiders, but, you know, I'm not going to show any sympathy towards that organization. It sucks for the players on the team, but, you know, Al Davis got what he paid for, and now they're stuck without, a, without their head coach heading into a, a big divisional game. I guess we'll just do that game next since it's Raiders on the road at the Broncos. Broncos are favored by four. Denver's a tough place to win. Ooh, excuse me. I think the Broncos have the better defense slightly. It was really good against bad teams. The Raiders aren't a bad team, but they've looked not great the last two weeks. It seems like the Chargers figured them out, and then they had to play another good defense in the Bears, and they figured them out. 
and the Broncos defense isn't bad. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos have a game plan for him as well. Waller has not been as effective over the last few weeks. I wouldn't want to be the Raiders going into that game because their team morale has got to be in the tank after starting 3-0. and Now they're 3-2. and I think the Broncos are also 3-2. and I think. Let me see. They are three and two. They've also lost their last two. So both teams have lost two in a row. Ravens and Steelers beat the Broncos. So they're kind of on even ground here in terms of how good of a team they actually are. Uh, you know, the Raiders got really lucky to win that first game against the Ravens, and they kind of carried that into Pittsburgh and beat a Pittsburgh team that had no TJ Watt, no Joe Hayden. And they took advantage of them. I think they surprised Pittsburgh a little bit. And Pittsburgh was in the middle of playing like their worst football at that point as well without the defense there. So I don't know. I think the Broncos are rightfully favored there. Four points. It'll be iffy. Either the Raiders come out and they're like, we're gonna win this one for John and we're we're gonna play we're gonna play our best football knowing that like all this other shit is a distraction from what we do on the field. Or it'll backfire. Or they're going to have no leadership in the locker room. And they're just... And maybe not fighting, but this new coach, I don't know that he's got the the locker room behind him. You know? So that's tough. It's going to disrupt the group mentality or the team mentality, maybe? It's possible. And it may be like, hey, the game comes down to like a situation where this guy wants to go for it on fourth down or doesn't want to go for it on fourth down or they need to call a timeout and they mismanage the clock and they run out of time something like that some like some coaching stuff like that could definitely play a factor into this game but it just seems like there's a lot on the Raiders plate regardless so I'm sure the one thing that they want to do is get on the field and play football so it's it's tough I don't know Denver is a hard place to win though yeah it's not easy. Um, Cowboys at Patriots. Cowboys are favored only by three and a half. Don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I would favor the Cowboys by probably five to six in this game. I'm not sure. Maybe because the they're at home? or I mean, it, yeah, it's got to be like, okay, they're in New England. And New England historically, like in the rivalry, has won a bunch of games against Dallas. But it's like, yeah, it's a... Much different, Brady. It's a much different team. Yeah. Um, and they almost got beat by the Texans. And yes, they scraped themselves, you know, off the floor. And they came back and won that game. But they shouldn't have had any trouble with the Texans. And they get another Texas team that's got way better offense than the Texans. And a way better defense. So I think the Cowboys smash them. I don't think that game's close. I don't know why they set the line like that. But... Cowboys are minus 180. If you can get the Cowboys at minus 180, I think that's good value there. Maybe Bill Belichick's got something figured out, but I think the Cowboys just have too much. Like, I think New England's offense doesn't have enough, and the Cowboys have too much. So the Cowboys have the better defense. You got Trayvon Diggs, who's just absolutely playing his mind out out there. You got Zeke, who's all of a sudden back in form. Tony Pollard, not Marcus <laughs> Pollard. You got Tony. So 
in the backfield, you got those two guys. You got all those receiving weapons. Schultz is all of a sudden come into being a big factor here with Michael Gallup not really playing because I think he's on IR right now. Yeah, I have Gallup and he's still on IR. Do I yeah. even keep him? Eh, I mean, someone will take him if he's healthy later, but... Oh, really, Mr. Scheist? I'll take him. <laughs> I'll just stockpile more receivers that I can't use. So I finally made a decision to like move on from that, but <laughs> it was only out of necessity due to my uh, hospital ward filling up. Yeah, receiver hoarder. Yeah, so then we get the Seahawks at the Steelers on Sunday night. Geno Smith time. I don't like I was telling you earlier, I don't know why the hell Russell Wilson's at practice throwing the ball left handed. For show. It is for show, but what's the point? Like I mean, he can be out there helping Geno Smith without doing this shit. I don't know what he's doing. They they placed him on IR after practice, so it's like it was all for show. The Seahawks are weird like this. Is he still out for six weeks four or six weeks or Well, he'll be out for at least three before they can designate him to return. But it was like after in the post uh, post game press conference when he jacked up his finger, Pete Carroll's like, "Oh well, Russ is one of the great healers in this world." Like, what the fuck are you talking about, Pete? Like, you chewed so much gum that you rattled something loose in your brain, and you're giving us this bullshit answer. Just be just be honest and say his finger's fucked up. We don't know how bad it is until he goes and gets the MRI, and we'll let you know. But this like weird like false positivity, I think has. I'm going to be honest, it's infected the Seahawks. Yeah. Like, that old Seahawks team, that defense, like, made everybody accountable. Like, they fought with each other on the sidelines. They held the bar, like, so high that, like, failure was not an option, right? So it's like in games where they were giving up points, like, they're all on the sideline, like, holding each other accountable. Like, you fucked that route up. You messed up this coverage here. Like, we need to get our shit together. And then they would, like, clamp down when they needed to. And that's what made that defense great. But, like, all those guys are gone except for Bobby Wagner. So, it's like Bobby's basically alone out there. He doesn't have Earl. He doesn't have Cam. He doesn't have Sherm. doesn't have, like, Browner or Maxwell or any of these guys that have played with that defense. And Bobby Wagner's still a great player. He's still probably the best middle linebacker in the game. <clears throat> and that goes a long way. But the Seahawks have the worst defense in football. And so, like, this this bullshit kind of positivity, the lack of accountability, like, there's a difference between being Bill Belichick, where you ask him a question, he's, like, going to give you, like, a non-answer, or he's going to, like, you know, barely say anything. And then the other side of the spectrum is you ask Pete Carroll a simple question, and he gives you some convoluted bullshit, because he doesn't want to just say, like, I don't know. <laughs> and then, like, I like what I saw from the Lions coach, like, he was, like... You know, he was crying after they lost that last game because he's like, we're so close and I feel so bad for these guys and I want them to win. I want them to know that it's like what we're doing here. Like we're getting close. Like the emotion he put into it, it's like maybe you don't want to see your head coach crying like in the postgame press conference on TV, but like it tells me that he's invested and he wants those guys to win. So I feel that the Lions are in decent hands. I think if this season goes poorly, like we could see Russ Lee, we could see Pete Carroll be out of town. We could see a whole bunch of changes coming to Seattle after this. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with showing emotion. No, there's not. So hopefully the players appreciate it that their coach is at least invested. Yeah. And honestly, I think what's going on with Pete Carroll is that like he's surprised at how bad the team is. Yeah. So he doesn't really have the answers. 
these aren't the Seahawks we saw. What was it, three, four years ago now? Yeah, definitely not. I mean, they're not even as good as they were last season. Yeah. And last season, I thought that their twelve and four was a little weak because, like, I'm pretty sure the Giants came into Seattle and beat them, and it was like that's not a game you're supposed to lose. And they struggled with Washington last year as well. And then they got ousted in the first round at home by a backup quarterback, I think. Because Jared Goff was hurt at the time. Oh, that's right. That's right. So as the Rams' backup quarterback went in there into (laughs) Seattle and beat them, like, yeah, you guys aren't that good. And I said before this season, too, I was like, I think Seattle might miss the playoffs. Just because I looked at what they did in the offseason, and I just didn't feel like they got better. I mean, like, Metcalf is good. Lockett's good. They didn't address the need to add another weapon there. Like, it's not like I dislike Freddie Swain. He's a good player, but they desperately miss Doug Baldwin and they miss Marshawn and the ability to just like pound the football. And like Chris Carson, like he runs so violently, he's hurt all the time. Rashad Penny's hurt. Like neither of these guys have been healthy since they got into the league. I like DJ Dallas. I like Travis Homer. They got some good pieces there, but maybe with Gino, they show something that, you know, we haven't seen yet. He looked pretty good up until he threw that pick where Lockett fell down. But he can see over the line. He throws a nice spiral. He's got a big arm, big guy. Looked like he understood when to run. I think they can surprise Pittsburgh a little bit. But ultimately, I think Pittsburgh's defense is probably too good. And even if they play well, like playing well against that defense is still really difficult to do. Probably a low-scoring Sunday night game there. Over-under set at 43. So obviously, the odds makers think it's going to be a low-scoring game too. It'll probably be higher than that though. Um, depending know. on the weather. We didn't see, wasn't it, what game was it where Seattle barely scored in the second half and it kept it pretty low? That was like every game for the first month of the season for them. Mm. But it was, I believe, the Minnesota game. They got shut out. And then the Tennessee game, I think they scored a touchdown in the second half. I don't know. They struggled. And then again, San Francisco, they, you know, they scored a little bit in the second half. Russell Russell Wilson's always going to give them a chance, but their offensive line just isn't good enough. They've never addressed it since it's been a problem. Russell Wilson is the most sacked quarterback in football since he started playing. No other quarterback gets sacked more than he does. And it's like, so part of that is he's holding on the ball too long. And another part of that is the offensive line is breaking down too fast. So it's a combination of those two things where he's trying to make plays downfield where when he was a rookie, when he was in his first like three years... He would just see, okay, the the place I want to throw the ball, first read is dead, second read's dead, but I can run it for five yards, and he just takes that five yards. Now it's like he's going first, second, third, fourth, back to the first read, back to the second read. He's trying to throw the ball downfield. He's not trying to run the ball. And part of what made that Seattle team so good was his ability to just pick up those short yardage runs, and he did that to San Francisco, and they won that game. And, you know, they came out and they scored first on the Rams, and if he doesn't mess up his finger, maybe they win that game and... Their season looks a little bit different, but it is what it is now. It's Geno Smith's turn, and they got to hope that when they brought him in, they brought him in for the right reasons because he's mobile. He's got arm strength. He's got all the things that you want to back up Russell Wilson. Um, So we'll see. I still think the Steelers win. It could be closer than five points, but I see why they're favored by five. And then we get to the real game of the week. Bills at the Titans. No matter how many times these teams play, I always remember the Music City Miracle, and I want the Bills to smash them. Is this Monday night's game? Monday night, yeah. Ooh. 
I mean, they're on a roll. They are. After losing that first one, they've won four in a row. I'm going to say that they're the best team in football, but as long as we're doing I'm still doing the power rankings. I'll give it to the Cardinals because they haven't lost yet. And as long as the Cardinals stay undefeated, I'll keep them in first place because they earn it by being undefeated. But as soon as they lose <laughs> and they have the same record as the Bills, the Bills will be number one on my power rankings. But I, they have the best offense in football. They have the best defense in football. They have the highest turnover differential. They have the highest point differential. The Bills are the best team. Like, it just it is what it is. They only give up 12 points a game. They got two shutouts. And they score 30 a game. Yeah, they're on fire. This is the team you've been waiting for. Yeah, they did lose to the Titans last year, though. Even though they went 13-3, and one of those losses to the Titans. And they actually know how to hold Derrick Henry in check. In the last three games where they played Henry on the Titans, I don't think he's had a 100-yard game on him. And so it was really they got beat in the passing game last season. So the Bills' defense is much better. It's, it's much, much better than the Titans' defense. Uh, yeah, and the Titans don't look like they did last year right now. They don't. Uh, they Honestly, they miss Corey Davis. Like, they let him go, and then they were like, well, we'll take Julio Jones, who's 33 and injury-prone, and... Oh, guess what? Where's Julio right now? Injured. Yeah, he's he not... screwed me over last year yeah. being injured all the time. He's not playing in this game. And that's the deal. Like, Corey Davis, like, he's in a, maybe not a great situation on the Jets, but he got paid well, and he's the best receiver on the team. Um, but the Titans should have kept him. They, they should have kept Jonu Smith, too. They shouldn't have let him go, but both those guys took big free agent deals. I don't know where the Titans' money went. Did they really pay Tannehill that much money in extension? <laughs> I hope not. It clearly didn't go to their defense, or maybe it did, and they're just not playing like it. I know they got Bud Dupree from the Steelers. They brought over, I think it's Janoris Jenkins from the Saints. So, I mean, they spent some money, but it doesn't look like it. Their defense is terrible. It was bad last year, and it's worse this year. So as long as the Bills don't let Henry do what he did to Seattle in the second half of that game... I don't see much of a problem and the, it's the bills revenge tour so they got the chiefs already uh now they got to get the titans and then who else i don't know i don't think they play arizona but that'd be nice super bowl play arizona in the super bowl and beat beat them get revenge for that hail murray because that was the last time the bills lost last season going into the title game that crazy catch by deandre hopkins in oh. the end zone, or in the, it was, yeah, it was with eight. with the like all the players around them. Yep, yeah, great play. But you know the Bills didn't lose after that, and they went to the AFC title game, and Arizona went eight and eight on the way out. So that's it. I got. Uh, I'm probably gonna play Singletary against that bad defense. Uh, who else? Like I got the Bills defense, so I'm happy with that. A.J. Brown's still questionable. I mean, he's coming back, but he's not playing well this season. He's been hurt, too. So, it's like you got these two star receivers that aren't playing. They thought they could rest these guys against the Jets, and they got beat. Uh, Ferkser, their tight end, who was supposed to step in and, you know, replace Johnny Smith. Not doing it. So, it's really Derrick Henry's team. It always has been, but... Who else is on that team besides Derrick Henry? I mean, I just named a bunch of other guys. I know. I was being sarcastic. <laughs> Thanks, babe. King Henry. I told you, babe. The sarcasm. 
it's the tone. Was that not enough tone for you? I don't think so. All right. Got to dial the tone up. That was like a three or four. I'm going to need at least <laughs> something over a five. Rude. See, that sounded more sarcastic, even though you're being serious. <laughs> you think I would have learned to be a pro by now with you. You've gotten better. Thanks. All right, well. I'll see you on the Fantasy Gridiron on Sunday. Okay. We got It'll the, be a we tense got, day in the yeah, house. We both got the game right on Thursday. So we got that pick'em league going too. You won the pick'em last week. I did. You didn't even pick the Thursday game and you still went 13 and 2. I'll give you credit for that on the show well, if anybody listens to this. Thank I you. Don't know. It's like one person. It's like, hey, I'm going to follow their advice. <laughs> Mistake. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Definitely don't follow the over-under for me. I'm terrible at it. Whatever I pick on the over-under, pick the opposite. You'll do real well. <laughs> Thank you. I was proud of that that week. I went 12 and 3 against the spread. So I did really well on points. I was 12 and 4 in overall picks. So I had a good week, but it just wasn't good enough. Everybody had a really good week this last week. So I need to try and get one back. We haven't had a repeat winner yet. Yeah, I thought Robert won twice. No. No? No. It oh. went Robert, me, Toast, Jason, you. Oh, okay. Wow. And then so Chris, who's not getting in on this show either. I'll, we'll bring him in and do one of them, but it has to be one that's Saturday morning where it's convenient for us. Uh, but he's in last place. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> Even when we did the Pick'em show on uh, Welcome to Bangerville, he was in last place most of the time. It was me and Toast competing. So. All right. All right. Let's go. Yep. That's all she wrote. Go Bills. And may your team succeed. Both in fantasy and in real life, unless you're a Titans fan. <laughs> Tough shit. <laughs> I don't Bills. I don't hate you, but go Bills. All right, take care everybody. Thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to the episode. If you enjoyed it, please help me out by liking, subscribing, sharing, wherever you get your podcasts. The show is an extension of the shice.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can contact me at info at the And until next time. Be well, stay safe, and go Bills! Bills.